Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning, church. So grateful uh, just to be here together. Appreciate our uh, team that just led this morning in worship, and thank God for His amazing grace. I'm reminded this Memorial Day weekend that uh, freedom is never free, that it comes at a, a terrible price, and uh, that's true for our freedom in Christ, and I'm so thankful uh, for the cross of Christ and that uh, that our salvation and that we have been purchased uh, at a price and that may we glorify God in our bodies and in everything that we do. Uh, this morning we're going to continue in uh, our worship as we walk through the last uh, several chapters of the book of Genesis. We're going to be looking uh, and continuing to look at the life of Joseph and I'm going to share with you three W's for walking through a pandemic. I I've noticed on uh, all of our North Carolina things, they've got three W's, and those three W's seem to be uh, that we uh, would wash, right, that we would wait a certain amount of distance apart, uh, and that we would wear a mask, right? So those are the three W's from uh, our state in response to uh, this COVID pandemic, and I want to give you three W's from the life of Joseph that will prepare you really to walk through pretty much anything uh, in life, and we're going to see some of those today. Uh, some of you have been asking, and, and many times a week I hear this question, when are we going back to church, right? That's a question that a lot of us uh, have, and I know that we long to be back inside, and so I want to share just a little bit about kind of where we're at with that. We've been meeting, and uh, there's been a team that's been meeting and really looking at uh, just the dynamics of that, and as we uh, looked ahead, we know that uh, next week we've got a very, very special uh, graduate recognition service that will be taking place uh, Pastor Chris and his team have put uh, just a tremendous amount of effort, and, and uh, I just really believe it's going to be a special time. I know this has been a really weird season for our grads and uh, a difficult season in so many ways, and so we want to do something special, and, and much of that revolved around an outdoor worship service, so uh, we're uh, not going to look at doing anything until at least after uh, that and just I, I want to share you know a lot of folks have said hey you know we've seen all kind of things in the news judges have ruled this direction we've seen uh, President Trump make some announcements and I think all those things are are beautiful things in the in the midst of where we're at and uh, as we move forward we're outside today not because we can't be inside uh, but because this is what we've chosen to do and this is where we're at as we begin to to walk through uh, this time and we're going to move we're, we're excited to move inside but we're not going to we're not going to rush. We're not going to. Do, we're going to do that well uh, as we do it. We've been looking at some really creative ways to uh, connect and uh, and to do that in a way that maintains some social distance. We're blessed with two large uh, worship areas. We're blessed with the one that's right behind me, and then another one uh, up top, our traditional area. And so we've got both of those uh, spaces, and we're working. Uh, to be able to do some things simultaneously uh, in those where we do uh, some live services with live elements in both. we've uh, Our tech team's been working to be able to uh, to navigate, being able to stream live elements. I might preach half a sermon in here and half a sermon up top, half a, you know, we may be seeing all kinds of neat things that'll be taking place, but, uh, but we're moving very quickly in that direction. And then by doing that, it doubles our space and allows us some time uh, to clean between services. So we're going to be looking at ways that we can be creative to uh, distance ourselves well. And, and one thing I've seen, people are in a lot of different places uh, when it comes to this kind of thing. Many of you have taken a survey, and if you haven't, we sent out some email surveys, and 
if you have not done that, we'd love uh, just to get your thoughts as we move forward. And we're, we're looking at those and looking at those ideas. We've seen some really great ideas uh, in the midst of, uh, of that as we look at, at what it looks like to come back in. We've talked about ways that we can only use certain pews and certain uh, areas of seats for the, the first service and then ways that we can uh, open up different ones in the next, ways to clean in between, ways to create really a touchless service um, where we would come in and uh, Miss Kathy, uh, who's here, our, our secretary, um, we probably won't have a bulletin during those first seasons, during those kind of things. So we're going to be sharing more and more uh, about that. But I also want to watch. We want to see what's happening as, as things open back up. We want to move uh, in a way that's prayerful and in a way that honors uh, just all of our congregation. And, and there's a lot of folks that say, you know what, I'd be in tomorrow if you opened and, and we were inside. Uh, and I'm reminded that this building is not the church, that we are the church. And I'm so grateful that, uh, that, that that's who we are. We don't come to church, we come as the church. And so there may be people that are in uh, higher, higher risk uh, environments that may not feel comfortable coming back in. There's all kinds of different things. And one thing we're going to do, you know, our, our, our little slogan, right, that's more than a slogan that says, you know what, we love God, we love people, and we put that love in action. And we're going to walk through this in a way that loves God, that loves one another, that considers one another more important than ourselves in a way that honors that. And we're going to put that in action as we do it. So I'm excited to uh, just to continue to walk toward that. We'll be communicating along the way as to what that uh, might look like, but just wanted to give you a, just a little update of just kind of where we're at. So grateful for the, the wisdom and the teams that are that are working that direction, and those of you that have volunteered and said, hey, we'd be grateful uh, and love to be part of a sanitation team or part of teams to uh, to make those things happen. So, so grateful for you. You've all, really, it's been incredible as we've walked through this weird time, just the encouragement and blessing that you all have been uh, to our staff, the encouragement that you give to us, the way that you have given uh, in the midst of this, we don't get up and, uh, you know, and, and give tons of speeches and harp on those kind of things, but you've just responded in the midst of this and just been faithful to our Lord. And we, uh, we are so grateful and just want to say thank you uh, just for the way that you're responding in the midst of these uh, unusual times, because it really is uh, an encouragement and blessing uh, to me. So we're going to jump in this morning. We've been looking at the life of Joseph, and last week, our kind of our central theme was that God is working on us in preparation for what He wants to do through us, right? That, that God is working and, and conforming us to His image, right? That, that there's this thing called character that we're building, and it's not that we're trying to find the character of somebody in this world, but that God is trying to put the character of Christ in us. And the truth is that many times we grow in that, maybe more through difficult circumstances than we do through maybe the good times. And we see in, in this passage of Scripture in the story of Joseph, just God's sovereignty in the midst of Joseph's life, in the midst of God's purposes and plans and how he is working uh, just incredible ways. And, and one thing that really has blown me away as I've studied this and as I've thought about it, there's just been this incredible uh, response that Joseph has to everything that comes his way. And I see the way Joseph responds to adversity. I see the way that he responds to difficult times. And we see in this, we've sung over and over this, this Waymaker song that in the words of that song, it says that, that even when we can't see it, he's working. And it's been such a truth 
in this sermon series because we we say that and, and probably if you're here you would say you know what I believe that right if you're here and, and maybe I can hear you you can say amen this is a great have some people can talk back if you believe that say amen you can blow your horn whatever you believe God's working even when we can't see it and so we believe that and we declare that and we say you know what I believe that God is working even when I can't see it and I just want to ask us to think about our own personal lives and how we're responding to the work that God is doing. And I want to ask you maybe a question that I've really thought about over these last few days. Can we trust God and have this attitude or this way about us that's constantly complaining? Can we really trust God and believe that in the midst of all the things that we're walking through, that we trust and believe that there's a God who is sovereign over all things and who is not taken by surprise, who is not in heaven, wringing his hands going, what's going to happen next because there's a church gathered in a parking lot during this season. These things do not take him by surprise. And we say, you know what, I believe those kind of things. And we, you know, I read in Scripture where it says, you, you know, we honor him with our lips. He's talking about the, the religious people. Jesus says, hey, you honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And sometimes we want to declare, you know what, we are... Our hearts are all in, but then maybe in the opposite direction, our lips are somewhere else. But Jesus said that it's out of the abundance of our heart that the mouth speaks. And so I wonder, how are we responding to this time? Chuck Swindoll, Charles Swindoll wrote a little poem on attitude, and for many years, I would keep it above my desk at work, and it would remind me uh, of something I think that we see so true in this, this uh, story of Joseph. And he says this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, and a home. And the remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Love that. Love that, that just little short thing that, that Charles Swindoll wrote. And, and it meant so much to me. And I heard someone say that in the midst of this pandemic that we have a pandemic of complaining, that we have a pandemic of people who, listen, we live in a world where right now it is filled with bad reports. It is filled with all kinds of things. Every time you turn on the news, I don't recommend watching it very long, uh, but anytime you turn on the news, we hear this bad report. And I want to challenge us as the body of Christ that we might recognize and say, you know what, we have a God. And if we believe that He is working, we're going to do something different. And in the midst of this complaining, we're going to flatten the curve. 
We're, we're going to make it look a little different because there's going to be a world that doesn't know Jesus that's out there, and there's going to be complaining. There's going to be all those kind of things. But as for me, and as for those of us who are following Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, let's make a difference in that area, right? We, we live in a world of bad reports. I see my, my family over uh, to my left, and as I think about them, many times we're, they, they bought me a hat one time that uh, just said, be positive on the front of it, because we would, I'm kind of the eternal optimist, right? It's just kind of where I'm at, and so there'd be these moments where we'd just kind of be discouraged about something, you know, maybe we've been on vacation, and all of a sudden, I don't know if any of you have done this, but you've been on vacation, and it seems like you're just excited. You've got like a week, and you're like, oh man, it's going to be great, and then all of a sudden, you're like five days in, and you You've only got two days left, and you can have two responses, right? You can say, oh, my goodness, man, we've only got two days. Or we can think of the positive, and we can say, man, we've got two days. We're at the beach, and we don't even have to drive down here. We've got all these things that are going on, right? There are people that have different perspectives. There are some people that say, you know what? My cup overflows, and there's always going to be somebody else around that's going, man, we're about to have a mess to clean up, right? Two different birds can go out on the very same day and see very different things, right? You can have a buzzard that'll go out and it'll find the dead things. You can find a hummingbird that will go out and it will find the sweet things. And so as we walk through this, I asked a few questions and I asked about the sweet things. I'm going to read you some of them here in a minute, but I want to remind you that the message today is not going to simply be about changing our attitude, but it's going to be just this encouragement to what it looks like to allow our faith in God and our belief that He is sovereign and that He is working to be the lens that we look at this pandemic, to be the lens that we might look at the hard times in our life, that, to be the lens that we might look at and say, you know what, I trust in a God who loves me and who's already demonstrated that love to me. I'm not waiting for Him to demonstrate that. He's already done that through the cross. So we left off last week. Joseph was in prison. He's done nothing wrong. We remember uh, he's the favorite son of his father, Jacob. He's sold into slavery. Uh, they sell him. The Midianites sell him uh, into uh, Potiphar. Uh, we see uh, just the dynamic there. We see Potiphar's wife get after him. He resists temptation, does the right thing, finds himself in a mess. He's, he's done everything uh, that, that right, but he finds himself in prison. Now, in the midst of that, we see him uh, elevated uh, to being over the prison. We see how faithful that he is in the midst of those circumstances. Last week, we looked at the cupbearer and the baker, right? They get in trouble. They upset. uh, They get in a mess. Scripture says that they upset uh, Pharaoh, that, that they're in this spot, that now they're cast in to prison. And so here they are, and all of a sudden, Joseph sees that they're downcast. He's looking not only at himself, finds out, man, what's wrong? What's going on? They said, we had these dreams. Now, in the midst of that, Joseph gives them, uh, God allows him to be able uh, to interpret uh, these dreams. And, and in the midst of that, the cupbearer promises to remember him. He says, hey, you're going to be restored into your job. Baker, not so good for you. All that comes out just like it says. And then Joseph says, hey, whenever you get back up there, I want you to do something for me. I want you to remember me. Now, the cupbearer, he forgets all about Joseph. He has thought nothing more about him. He's like, I'll never forget you. You've helped me. You've done all these things. And he gets back up there. And he's like, I don't even know who that guy was. It makes no difference to me. So here he is. And, and, and we, we kind of think about this season we're in. And we've titled this series really Missing Normal. Because a lot of us are missing a lot of things. And, and I asked a few weeks ago about what we were missing most. And we commented on those kind of things. And, and this morning, I want to read some, some comments. I asked a, a question. And I said, what kind of... 
It's kind of like what the hummingbirds finding in the midst of going out for the sweet things. I said, what are the sweet things you're enjoying? And we had a lot of feedback uh, from those kind of things. Uh, one was gardening, closer connection to friends and family, uh, maybe a spouse being home more time uh, with family. Uh, some people said, hey, you know what, we were so on the go with sports and now we're not that way anymore. Our family unit is strengthened. We had uh, some folks say, you know, just slowing down and really reframing in the midst of this, going through it together. More creative date nights. I encourage you to do that, right? We, uh, we haven't had the ability to go out maybe to a restaurant. We have now. Some of those are opening back up. But uh, during the midst of that, it might be just sitting on your porch. It really, it's, it's more about time is what we're seeing in these comments, more projects done around the house. There's a project pandemic going on right now because all, all the, everybody's like putting their stuff that are getting done online and, and they're putting that on like Instagram and Facebook and all that. And then everybody's going, hey, we have got to do some stuff around the house. And then they just kind of build. Take it easy on us men during this season. Um, more communication from people that usually don't communicate with. Understanding the value of eye contact. I thought that was, that was really true. I don't know if you've seen that. Like you're in a store. And people don't want to look at you, right? They're just kind of looking the other way. There's kind of some different things. Usually because I'm going up the wrong aisle. I don't mean to be, but it just happens. And I'm like, I'm like smiling. They're not smiling. And so we're seeing those kind of things, realizing what's important, learning to be intentional about those you want to be part of your life. One person said we get caught up in this old world and we forget who made it. I can be guilty of that. Bible studies, I've learned that had too many excess things, more creative with making do with what I have, peace and serenity, extra time, family dinners. And for those of you that are snacking right now while I'm preaching, Cheetos, Cheez-Its, and pretzels during church, right? I'm thinking that's, we're going to have to think about that policy, right? And so Karen Ravy said Sunday, she gets to toot her own horn. Where you at, Karen? Yeah, there you go. Um, Lifelong lessons on how to handle disappointment with grace. Default setting to be grace and gratitude over discontentment. God is the only source of peace in hard times. And for us to have a gratitude focus, we must have a Christ focus. And that means we can have hope in any situation. We're going to jump into chapter 41. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful, Lord, that we can have hope in the midst of any situation. Lord, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what things come our way, God, because our hope is not in the things of this world, God, but our hope is way beyond uh, this world. Lord, I pray, God, today that you would fill us with hope. Lord, as we, uh, God, as we just engage in your word, God, as we look at your hand at work in the midst of this passage, Lord, as we see how Joseph responds, Lord, may you, uh, God, help us to be a people that respond in faith, Lord, as an overflow of the amazing grace that you have extended to us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask for your blessing on our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 41, beginning in verse 1. We read this verse last week, but it says, Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. So the cupbearer's forgotten Joseph. He's been in prison for two full years. And it says, Behold, he was standing by the Nile. Now, two years is a long time. And if you kids in quarantine, there's a few of you around. Has this seemed like a long time? Has it seemed like a long time since we've been able to hang out with people and since we've been in school? Grant told me last night, he said, I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. He said, I'm afraid of boredom. He said, because when I'm bored, I get in trouble. He said, I feel as old as my Paul right now. <laughs> I said, you feel as old as your Paul? He said, it's just been forever. And he said, all the old people say time's going by so quick. 
But he said, it seems like we've been here forever. Verse 2, it says, And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows. This is like one of my new memory verses, by the way. Um, <laughs> I love this verse. He said, and, and so from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat. <laughs> I never thought about sleek and fat in, the, in really the same sentence. And so, um, I don't know. I just like that. It makes me feel a little better about myself. So, Sleek and fat. Anytime you use the word fat, use the word sleek as well. So it says, and they grazed in the march grass, and then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows, and then Pharaoh awoke. <laughs> I'd wake up too. That's a weird dream. And it says, he woke up, he fell asleep again, dreamed a second time, and seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. And then, behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. And then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 8 that he awoke up and his spirit was troubled. Now, God had caused him to have this dream. And when he woke up, uh, he had caused his spirit to be troubled. Now, I want you to think about the timing of all this in the midst of Joseph's life and what God has been preparing him for. And he says, in the morning, his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt. So he called for all those people that should be able to give the interpretation. He called for all its wise men, and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. I think it's kind of interesting that they just didn't make something up. Because it's like, we're supposed to be smart, right? So they're like, I think this is, I don't know. But, but they, didn't, they didn't do that, and no one could give him an interpretation. And the chief cup pair, all of a sudden, what, what he said in, in Hebrew is, uh-oh. Like, I forgot something here. He says, he spoke to Pharaoh and says, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Verse 10 he says, Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. And we had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. And, and there was this Hebrew youth that was with us. He didn't say Joseph. He just said hey, there was this Hebrew youth that was with us, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, Potiphar's servant. Uh, he, was in a, he, he was there, and he was able to interpret this dream. It says he interpreted our dreams for us, and he interpreted... Correctly. Now here uh, we see this, this, this moment where everything's going to begin to change in the midst of Joseph's life. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph finds out that he's going to Pharaoh. Scripture says that he shaved and cleaned up, put on some good clothes. Don't wear your pajamas in Walmart if you're listening online. Put on, put on some clothes. If you're going to an interview, you know, fix up. He says, here's where he's going. says he shaves, kind of gets ready, and then he heads to see uh, Pharaoh. And so when he gets there, verse 15, Pharaoh says to Joseph, he says, I've had a dream and nobody can interpret it. And I've heard, I've heard that you, when you hear a dream, I've heard you can interpret it. Now, I want you to look at how Joseph answers in verse 16. Now, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said, you know what? I'm glad I'm up here because I know the cupbearer couldn't interpret it because he got a memory problem. He didn't even remember. He, he was supposed to tell you about me. And by the way, I just need you to know what's been going on in my life. I didn't do anything wrong. I was sold, uh, I, I was sold by my brothers. I got here. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I don't know if you know about old Potiphar, but he's serious. And his wife come after me. Then I didn't do anything. I ran. I got put. I got in the wrong place. And, and I've been treated bad. And I'm finally here. You got to help me. You got to take care of me. He could have just looked and said, you know what? That's exactly right, Pharaoh. You have the right man. I, 
I can interpret dreams and for the right price, for freedom from this prison and the rule of your land and all those things, I'll be glad to give you some insight. But that's not what he did. But I want you to know, when I look back at the 17-year-old Joseph that we started with in the midst of this, I'm not sure that he was ready for this moment. But through the adversity, through the trials, through the difficult things that he has, has happened in his life, we see a humble Joseph. We see a Joseph who understands that it's not him who is able to do anything on his own. And he says this in verse 16. He says, he answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. And, and I believe that's the way God desires for us to respond in the midst of life. He says, it's not in me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. See, Joseph's not coming and saying, I've got all this stuff figured out. But he says, I worship a God who is able to do abundantly above what we even ask or think. There's a God who can give you an answer. And that's our first W, by the way. As we're walking through the midst of anything that we're facing, we're going to worship our great God. And we're not going to put our eyes on ourselves and our abilities and the things that are there, but we're going to worship God. And, and we're going to worship God not based on our circumstances, because that's what many times we're tempted to do. We, Our prayer life, so much about our life, we say, you know what, God has granted me these things And we have these moments where we come uh, and we worship God and we praise Him for how good He is. And then in the midst of the dark times, we pray to Him and we make bargains and we do all these kind of things. But we worship God because of His grace. You know, they they sung about His amazing grace. And I thank God that it is in His amazing grace that He saved a wretch like me. That there's there's nothing that I bring to the table. God didn't, I didn't earn my salvation. There's nothing I did to deserve my salvation. But in His amazing grace... That he saved me, and because of that, as an overflow of his grace, we're going to worship him, and and it's going to be an overflow of what he's already done in our lives, and it produces the second W. So we're going to, we're going to worship God, and the second thing we're going to do, we're going to walk with gratitude. And so in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of these places, we're going to worship our great God. And when we worship Him, and we worship Him as a response and an overflow of the grace that has been extended to us, it causes us to be a people that exhibit gratitude. And I want you to understand, gratitude is really the opposite of complaining. Being grateful is the opposite of the the perspective that we see so many times in life. Disappointment happens. We recognize that. I think about our seniors. You know, this has been that would have been a, a very difficult year for them. I think about the disappointment of some of the things that they have faced. And a lot of times when disappointment happens, my focus is to say, what went wrong? How in the world did this happen to me? I, I'm, I'm disappointed in this moment, and this person caused that, or this is the situation that's allowed that to happen. Who's at fault in the midst of that? And Joseph is in the midst of all kind of disappointment. He's in the midst of all kind of things that didn't go the way he had planned. Can you imagine when he's dreaming at 17 years old? He's like, my brothers and my mom and my dad, everybody going to bow down to me, my whole family, uh, that all the all my, my dad's wives, that's a whole weird thing. And, and all these people, they're going to bow down to me, right? That's what he's thinking. And then all of a sudden he's in the bottom of a pit. All of a sudden, he's in the midst of that. I promise you, none of this is what he thought was going to happen in his life. And here he is. He's faced all this adversity, and he's not out doing all all those kind of things. Who's wronged? All these things. None of those things are happening. And I believe when we walk through these things, the greatest question that we might have is, what can I learn from this moment? I can't control the circumstances that I'm in. We can't control the things that have happened to us in our past. We can't, and and I know there's been things in a crowd this size, there's been a lot of things that have happened that are out of our control, that have been very difficult. There's been so many things like that, and it's easy for us to say, who's at fault? Why did this happen? 
But I want to challenge you to say, God, what are you teaching me in the midst of this time? God, what is it that you want to do in the midst of my life in these moments? Because the truth is, if we're honest, we've learned more from our disappointments than we have from our successes. We've learned more from some of those hard times than we have the best times. He tells Joseph the dreams, and the dreams are the same. He says, those seven sleek, fat cows, I love that. They're seven years, seven, you know, good years. He says, those seven good years, they're seven years, they're the same thing. Seven lean, ugly cows, seven years, seven thin ears, seven years, and those are seven years of famine, seven bad years. In verse 28, I'm going to read a couple of, couple of things. It says, it is as I've spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. So he says there's going to be these seven years of abundance. And after those seven years, famine is going to come. Seven years of famine. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine. For it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God. He says, there's not anything you're going to do to stop what's happening in the midst of this. This, this is happening, and God will quickly bring it about. Now, let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Now, Joseph could have had a good opportunity right here to say, you know what? I've been in charge of Potiphar's place. I remember that. And then, and then I've been in charge of the prison pretty much everywhere I go, and I'll be glad to help you out uh, right here. I would love to do that. He didn't do that. He says, hey, let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise, set him over the land of Egypt, put people in place to oversee, exact a fifth of the produce in abundance, store up the grain, food will be in reserve. He says, hey, you're going to store back some stuff. He said, you're going to have to find somebody that can administer all this thing. Verse 36, he says, let the food become as a reserve for the land of the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and all his servants. And then Pharaoh says this, and I want you to think about all that Joseph has been through all that God's been doing in his life, preparing him for the purpose that he had in his life. And it says, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You should be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage, and only in the throne I will be greater than you. So here's Joseph. He's gone from the pit to Potiphar's house. He's gone from prison to the palace. God has, we see Pharaoh give him this, uh, this signet ring. We see him get this fine linen. We see him get uh, this gold necklace. We don't have time to read all these, these verses, but we see him uh, get a wife, right? He's, all these things are happening in Joseph's life. He's gone all the way from the pit to the palace. God has placed him where he wants him in this moment now, I want you to look at this in verse 46. Now, Joseph was 30 years old. How old was he when we started? 17 years old. Now, two months has been hard. Grant says, I'm as old as my Paul after these two months. He's, that's old. But you think about those things. It, it's crazy, right? When you, when you think about this time, can you imagine this time? Where is God in the midst of this? time 
What's happening in the midst of his life? 30 years old. Verse 51, we see Joseph has children, and, and Scripture says that he named the firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. And he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And I think about all that he has walked through, all the trials, all the difficulties, and really what we face in most of our lives when we look at it compared to what Joseph has gone through. We're saying, you know what? There's really nothing, right? And, and I think about these moments, and there's so much that, that we can glean from this. But in the midst of that, he names this child Manasseh, and he says, God has made me forget all of my trouble. And I want you to know, whatever it is that we face in the midst of this life, there's coming a day that we're going to experience the glory that awaits us. And, and it's going to make us forget all of our troubles. All the things that, that we walk through are going to seem momentary and light. Everything is, is changing in those moments. And, and we see in this passage that everything came to pass just as God had revealed. See, his promises for Joseph, the, the things that were revealed in these dreams, the seven years of, of, of just great abundance and these seven years of famine, we're seeing that we have a God who is a promise-keeping God and, and who uh, finishes the work that he started. And it came to pass just as God had revealed. And in the midst of that, God preserved his people. He promoted his servant. And as a result, all the earth was blessed. As a result, God used all these things, and there was tremendous blessing. We're going to see in the coming weeks that there's a family reunion that takes place in the midst of this. So we're going to see uh, Joseph encounter his brothers, and, and we're going to see all these kind of things. We've looked today, first thing, when we walk through the midst of a trial, we're going to worship God. We're going to uh, understand that that's based on God's grace, on His uh, amazing grace, this undeserved favor, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is, that we receive God's riches at Christ's expense, not uh, of our own doing. And when we experience His grace, it causes us to worship Him. And when we worship Him and our lives are centered on that, that's the reason that we encourage you every day to start your day in the Word of God. That's the reason that, that we encourage you to say, you know what, as we start our day, we're going to start our day with, with, a, with an amount of time uh, worshiping our great God. And then as an overflow of that our lives are, are filled with gratitude. We, we can't look at the amazing grace of our God. We can't look at those things and not have gratitude in our heart, right? We, we live and we get so caught up, as that person shared on my little Facebook post, in this old world that we forget the one that made it. We forget the one who has saved us. We forget the one who is working on our behalf in the midst of this time. So we're going to walk with gratitude. We're going to worship God. And we're going to make the most of the moments. A lot of us are looking past this moment. We're looking past this moment to a new normal. We're looking past this moment to something different. But I want to encourage you, live in the moment we're in and make the most of where you're at. I thank God that as I read in the story of Joseph that he didn't take this moment that he was in prison and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complain, I'm going to be upset, and I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going. But he, he served God faithfully in every place that he was at. When he was done wrong, he served God faithfully. His circumstances did not dictate uh, his worship to the Lord, and God used it in a great way. And the third thing, so we're going to worship God, we're going to walk in gratitude or with gratitude and finally we're going to walk in love throughout the rest of joseph's life and we don't have time today to get any further but throughout the rest of joseph's life from age 30 
to I believe it was 110 when he died. We're not going to hear one word of resentment from Joseph's heart. We're not going to hear it come from his lips. We're not going to hear a word of blame against the brothers who sold him. We're not going to hear a word of bitterness against Potiphar's wife. Not a word of rebuke against this cupbearer that said, you know what? I'll remember you. I'll tell all about you and then forgot him. Joseph was elevated into a position that he could have gotten even with all of them if he wanted to. We're going to see that in the coming weeks. But he didn't. He chose something different. He chose, listen, he chose he's going to worship God. He's going to live a life of gratitude, not for the circumstances necessarily in those moments, but for the God who is sovereign over those circumstances. And he's going to walk in love. His life is going to be different. It's going to be focused on those that are around him, not on himself. And what does it look like for us in the middle of a pandemic to live a life that says, you know what, I'm going to focus on loving God? Because that's really what all this is about, right? We love God. We love people. And we put that love in action. Corey Tenboom, who went through incredible suffering, she was in a uh, Nazi extermination camp, right? He was went through incredible suffering for hiding Jews in her home. She wrote these words, and she said this. She said, "Look within and be depressed. Look without." And be distressed. Or look at Jesus. And be at rest. Can I just remind you this morning that God's grace is still at work. He's not finished with us. He is still working in the midst of everything that we face. In the midst of the the good moments. In the midst of the hard times. He is still at work. If you're a child of God today, I encourage you to look to Jesus and His promises. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he promises something. He says that not to be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to let our requests be made known to God. And the peace of God would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God is still at work in the midst of our life. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you no matter what our, I don't know what each person's dealing with and the things that we come with today, but I I just want to encourage you to know that God's promises are still true, that He is not finished. He's not finished with us in the midst of our circumstances. He is still working on us to prepare us for the work that He wants to do through us. And what Corey Tenboom said was so true. We can look within and be depressed. We can look without and be distressed. Or we can look to Jesus and be at rest. You know, I love the Scripture where Jesus said, Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And there's only one place that we find rest. There's only one place that we find peace. There's only one place that we find hope. 
and that is in Christ. And so I want to encourage you, believers, if you have trusted Christ for salvation, that you might center your eyes on him this morning, that you might look and say, you know what? My eyes have been on so many things. I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on him, to find rest in the only place that we can, and to look and say, how can I worship God in the midst of this? How can I express gratitude in the interaction that I have with other people in my social media, in the, the things that I post, in the way that I live? How can I be a light in the midst of this? And how can I walk in love? Maybe to people that see things from a different perspective, maybe in so many places, how can I walk in love? And my challenge for all of us is to just look to Jesus and be at rest. You know, Joseph couldn't control the circumstances that he was in. But when the choices counted, the things that he could control, man, he was willing to control them. He, he, he walked in those and he responded in a way that brought glory and honor to God. And, and may we be a people that will flatten the curve on, on complaining, that will look at life through a lens that says, you know what, in the midst of the difficult things, I'm not going to go out as the buzzard and try to find dead things, but I'm going to go out as a hummingbird and I'm going to look for the sweet things. I'm going to trust that God is sovereign in the midst of all things. And instead of complaining, I'm going to worship. I'm going to... I'm going to be a person that's filled with gratitude. And I'm going to walk in love. I want to close this just with a, a word of prayer. And Maybe you're here and, and you say, you know what? I, I recognize that maybe there's bitterness. and I don't know what kind of things that maybe you've experienced this past week or even just in your life. And maybe you say, you know what? My... Life has been so filled with thinking about how I can get even and how I can do all these, these different things. But, but in reality, those things have been just eating at me from the inside. And, and today, I want to, just in the midst of these moments, I want to just let those things go. I want to I be like Joseph. And instead of trying to figure out all the reasons that these things have happened and the, the whys and the, all, the, all the pieces that connect in that, but I want to be a person who says, God, what are you teaching me in the midst of this storm? God, what are you doing in my life? God, what can I learn from these moments? Lord, help me to, to worship you in the midst of the storm. Help me to walk in gratitude. Help me to walk in love. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I've never trusted Jesus for salvation. I hear these promises that and these things that, that were revealed to Joseph and those things came to pass just as they were said. And, and we can know that we have a promise-keeping God and a God who loves us and is working in our midst. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I've never trusted Christ. I've been trying to do my own way and live my own way. and Never surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're listening online. You'd say, you know what, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I recognize that my sin has separated me from a holy God. That there's nothing that I could do 
to earn my salvation, just as we sung earlier. It's God's amazing grace. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we can be made right with a holy God. And, and maybe you desire today, and you say, you know what, I come, and it's by faith. I believe that Jesus came, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cruel cross in my place, and three days later rose from the grave, that he uh, ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and offers to all who would believe. Fact is, one of the great promises of God in John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. He said, I, maybe you're here this morning. You say, you know what? I believe. I surrender. I desire to follow Jesus today. And I want to invite you, maybe even in these moments, just to express that uh, to the Lord. You may do that uh, just through a prayer. You might say, you know what, God, I, I recognize that I'm apart from you. And Lord, I need you. God, I know that there's nothing that I could do to earn my way to heaven, nothing that I could do to earn forgiveness, but that it has already been earned. It has already been paid for through the cross of Christ. And I believe, I believe that Jesus came, that he lived that sinless life, that he rose from the grave, and I trust you, God. I surrender my life to you. My life is yours, God. Use me, use me. Do whatever you want, God. I surrender all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe that's some of you that are here. Maybe that's some of you that are listening online. And we encourage you to, to let us know. Uh, to, we'd love to come alongside you in next steps of what it looks like to walk with Christ, to follow Christ. Uh, I want to say if that's a decision that you've made, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, it's the greatest decision that you will ever make. And as we see in the life of Joseph, it doesn't mean that life uh, is easy, but God is with us and that he is working. We're so grateful for your uh, being with us today. Uh, Miss Kelly, I think, has a few uh, announcements before we leave. Uh, but thank you for just being who you are. Uh, may we uh, be a people uh, who worship God, who walk in gratitude, and who walk in His love. God bless.